This is the Power Your Edge podcast, where we share with you the voices of creatives. You will learn, grow, and laugh with us as we hear from people who are the same as us, their journey, their tools, their gems, and their wisdom, coming together to power your edge. And now, here is your host, Malky Skolnick, founder at The Bold Edge, digital course creator, email marketing magician, app junkie, and systems fanatic. Welcome to today's episode of the Power Your Edge podcast. Today is going to be a solo episode with actually me, myself, and I. Is that called three people or one person? This episode is an introduction to a set of, or if you want to call a series of episodes that we're going to have on the topics of financials, money, and mindset. I am extremely excited to welcome you to this series. It's something that I've been working on for a while because, well, let's put it like this. When you put financials and money in the same room as a creative, well, there may be an uncomfortable situation. In this introductory episode to the series, I'm gonna go into several different topics. The first thing that we're gonna go into is the concept of imposter syndrome and creatives. So as creative people, many times when we are designing, we're designing from our heart. And sometimes we don't feel good enough. We don't feel that what we're designing is good enough. Is it actually worth charging for? Is it worth what we're charging for? And sometimes we may end up charging too little for the value that our clients are actually getting. So, Hmm. We need to talk a little bit more about that. So a common question that I get from our students here at the Bold Edge is, am I actually ready to get a job? Well, what they mean really is either to work, you know, in-house within a design agency or in a company, et cetera, or even take on a freelance project for a client. Am I ready? Am I ready to actually charge money for my work? It's beyond the fact of actually designing something. It's actually charging money for the design that they're creating. And I think what they mean behind that is also, is my designs worthy for my, me to make money from it? So here is my answer. Number one, it's very important to have a design mentor. This can be a design mentor at the school that you've learned design at. It could also be a graphic designer or a web designer, or it could be video and animation or whatever kind of design that you are into, you know, just fill in the blank over there and go to somebody that you trust and you also admire their work and the designs well. Okay. So you want to go to somebody that's good at what they do and present to them your designs and then see what they say. They're going to tell you, yes, you're ready. Or they may tell you, you know what? Maybe you need to wait. And there may be some reasons to wait and I'll give you some of them. If there's a specific type of design that you would like to create for clients, because let's say during your training program, you've really enjoyed doing that type of design. But the person looking over the work may say, you know what, I think you need to do another project that's unpaid and that could be a mock project. There are websites online that can generate few design briefs and you could actually design according to that. Or maybe your school can work it out with you that they assign to you another project and then give you feedback and more critique on that. So this way you have another piece of work that can 
improve design skills in the specific area that you would like to specialize in. And then once you do that, number one, you're going to gain more confidence in that area of design. And number two, you're going to have another portfolio piece to showcase and show potential clients. So that's what I recommend. So if at that point, your mentor or a designer that you're consulting with to get feedback on tells you you're ready, you're ready. Many times you may not feel totally, totally ready, but there is that thing. And I'm a strong believer of making sure it makes sense up to a point and then jumping into things. Many times you got to just jump into something and then swim with it. Sometimes it's going to be, you know, you're swimming upstream and it's a little bit difficult, but through those difficulties and with every project that you do, you're going to get better. And of course, you're going to be able to charge more because you have more experience and expertise to offer each subsequent client. So that basically are my thoughts on that. Another question, and this may be a question that has arisen as you were listening to my previous thing that I was talking to you about is, should I actually niche down on what kind of designs that I'm producing right out of school? So my answer is no. And the reason for that is, is because there may be certain designs that you may see right out of the bat. I really do not want to do that. That's fine. But then to say, I only want to do these type of designs. I think it's too premature for you to make that move at this point. I would say spend at least a year trying out different types of design best also if you're able to work in an agency that has different types of design that you can create and then this way you could figure out what you enjoy most in and not even what you enjoy most well it has to marry also with the fact of what you're good at as well so what you enjoy and also what you produce really nice work at at that point a year in or even two years in then you could decide you know what i really want to specialize in thus and at that point, you'll have also portfolio samples of stuff to prove that you have expertise in that. So that's what I recommend. Do not niche down right away. Spend the time doing lots of different projects over those first year or two or three even. And then this way you'll see what you truly enjoy and then you can niche down on that. Okay. The next thing I want to discuss is the concept of getting feedback for your designs. So you may want to get feedback for your designs. And I think it's extremely important because you cannot design in a bubble. And even I, you know, I've been in the field for many years. I have design friends that I will send designs to something that I'm not so sure about or something I feel like is a little bit off and they will give me their feedback or criticism or critique. And sometimes they'll say that really doesn't work at all. And I'm thankful to, for hearing that because the reason why I asked for that feedback was not for them to tell me, oh, everything is amazing. It looks gorgeous, etc." That doesn't help me grow as a designer. If I really want to have that, you know, this is gorgeous feedback, I could ask my family, my friends who really think that I'm amazing, Baruch Hashem, and anything that I'll create is, you know, out of this world. But that doesn't help me out as a designer. So if you're asking for feedback from people, expect and welcome feedback that may not be so well, you know, positive, but you also, when they want to hear constructive feedback. So you want to go to people that will feel free to give constructive feedback and be specific. So if you just want to get from people, great feedback, say, oh, so how do you like this work? You know, do you think it's good? And, you know, very possible I'll tell you, yeah, it's great. It's, you know, good to go. 
Or let's say you would like feedback from a project and you've already sent it into print. It's, you want to specify to the person that you're asking feedback from that I've already sent this out to print and you know, I would love to get feedback for next time around. So this way the person can give different types of feedback. You know, we always want to feel good about the stuff that we've already sent to print, but we may want to get constructive feedback for going forward. So we'll get different types of feedback then. Also, tell people, be very clear. I would like constructive feedback. What do you think about XYZ? I'm not so sure about that. So this way they know exactly what's bothering you and exactly what you want them to hone in on. So you'll get very targeted feedback that will really help you grow. And thank them for that feedback because they're giving you extra schooling. And that's something that is very helpful. So they're not trying to criticize you. They're criticizing the work and they're trying to help you grow. So don't take it as something that, you know, negative about you. It's nothing about you. It's about growth and think of it as like free schooling, if you want to say like that. Okay. The next big topic that I want to talk about and I think most probably you want to hear about is pricing and charging your worth. So in the podcast series, we will be hearing from people about mindset. We will be hearing about different ways or different pricing, I would say strategies in a way, or different things that you need to think about when you're pricing. So now I'm going to go into some basic tips on how to price. And like I said, the word is basic because pricing is its own beast. And I definitely cannot do it justice within this podcast episode. So I'm going to give you some excerpts from a pricing resource that I created. Okay. So there are several things that you need to keep in mind. Number one is going to be production costs. So the pricing will first depend on what your hard expenses are. So what is the cost for you to produce this design? So let's say, for example, it's going to be a catalog. When you're producing a catalog, do you need to bring in a photographer? Do you need to bring in an illustrator? Do you need to bring in a copywriter? What are the different hard expenses that are necessary in order for you to produce the work? Secondly is how much money do you want to make per hour? Now, of course, how much money you want to make per hour will also depend on how much rent do you have to pay? How much money do you want to make over the year? You know, all those different kinds of things will come together to formalize your price per hour. Of course, there are set sort of accepted price per hours when you're first starting out. If you're working freelance, many times it's around 25, 27 an hour, or depending on when you listen to the episode, you could check around people that are similar to your stage and see how much their hourly pricing is. And I'm not telling you that you should be charging per hour. I'm just saying that you need to just keep in mind how much you value your hours. So those are all different kind of hard costs. And of course, look, if you're paying rent or different kinds of things that are involved with you producing this specific catalog. Okay, so you write down what your hard expenses are. So it's how many hours it takes you. So you take your hourly rate times how many hours hours it takes you. You take any photographer fees, any copywriter fees, any illustrator fees, etc. And you write down that total number. The next thing that you want to keep in mind and that will help you factor out your pricing is finding out how much other people that are at your stage in the game 
your amount of experience, but not even amount of experience, your level of expertise, which means that there are some people that have very little experience, but they have amazing design skills and design aesthetics. So you want to find people that are similar to you and you want to ask them, so how much do you charge for a catalog? That's something that's very helpful. Another thing that's also very helpful is to gauge from, let's say, other clients. Let's say you have another client that maybe did not design a catalog by you, but maybe they have had catalogs designed previously, whatever it is. You can find out what a comparable company makes well, not really makes, how much they pay for a catalog design. So you want to get a broad range amount of what the market, what's what's being charged by people comparable to you and what the market can hold. Meaning you can't charge a certain, you know, up higher than a certain amount if this is how much people are paying for catalogs for your level of experience. And then finally, your client budget. So how much does your client expect to pay for the catalog. So it's always very good to get a client budget because if their budget is way under what your hard expenses are, there's nothing really to talk about unless you want this as a portfolio piece and you're willing to work for, you know, a very small amount, you know, or almost nothing, that's up to you. But in general, it's very important to get a client budget. You want to get some hard numbers and they say, oh, I don't know. Everybody has some numbers that they have in mind that they want to pay for something. Like if you go into a store, you sort of expect to pay a specific amount of money. So if they don't tell you, you could always come up with a range for them. So it's going to be anywhere from XYZ to XYZ. Okay. So with those set in mind, there's going to be, like I said, your production costs, to keep in mind, there's going to be what can the market handle? And then finally, there's going to be what the client budget is. So once you have those three numbers intact, then you could sort of see what you're going to charge. Generally speaking, the production cost is the least amount that you could charge. This is like sort of like your break even. And I strongly suggest that you don't just charge your production costs. You should be adding some more money for your actual profit. Okay, so you should be making profit off of every job. So that's something to think about. And the funny thing is, is that when people think about their hourly rate, they think that that's their profit. That's actually how much it costs you to produce it. That's how much your time is worth. That's not your profit. So there are sometimes there are people that take their hourly rate, how much it takes them per hour, and then they multiply it by two. You know, there's some people that do that. But those are the general kind of things, three different aspects to keep in mind when trying to figure out the pricing. Another thing that I find very helpful is, is that also as you're designing school projects or as you're designing your couple of first projects out of school and you are charging not that much money and then you should track of how long it takes you to produce each project and you should create a spreadsheet that will put that down for you. So this way you have your hard costs being tracked as you create your initial jobs. So you see like how much I'm spending on this, how much I'm spending on that, how much time it takes me for this, how much time does it take me to find images for my projects, right? That's that's something that takes time. How much time does it take me for the actual layout? How much time does it actually take me for the brainstorming? Break down what your process is. So this way you can troubleshoot. Also, is it taking me too long? or maybe not taking me too long, it just this is just part of my process, and you wanna track those along your, your initial projects, and you'll see also is that as you go along, things will take faster, and it's interesting to see that, but as things take faster, 
you're not going to charge less money because it takes you less time. Because what happens is, is that with more projects that you do, the more value you have to your clients because you have more experience designing certain kind of marketing material. You have more insights to offer to your clients because you've done this previously and you have experience and you have value that you bring to a client. Another thing, and I'm just going to throw this into the mix when you're figuring out your pricing is you also want to know who is this being designed for? So is this for a very small company and this design will have a smaller impact than if you're designing it for a piece for a bigger company that will have a much larger impact. So let's say you're designing for something for a very small organization and they're just going to be collecting $5,000. I'm just making up numbers. But if you're designing something for another organization that they're trying to collect a million dollars, your design has different value because of the return of investment, the ROI that the client is going to be getting from you. So I know that I've dumped on you a lot of information, but I wanted to give this as an introduction to our series on money, mindset, and financials, or let's just call it money and mindset, because at the end of the day, that's what it boils down to is that in order to be able to charge what you're worth and price what you're worth, mindset is a very big component that is part of that. So I'm very excited to welcome you to the series, and I hope you enjoy and you learn a lot.